you ever wondered about the wild activities that go on at a bar? Well, that wondering ends right now. Welcome to the Open Bar Talk Podcast, where host Jim Search sits down with bartenders near and far to hear the whopping tales that only a drink slinger has. So buckle in, have a cold one, and enjoy it. It is episode 30 of the Open Bar Talk podcast. It is a podcast dedicated to bartenders and the crazy world that they live in. Uh, I'm your host, Jim Search. You can find me at jimsearchcomedy.com. You can go on all social media. Find me at Jim Search. I make it super easy for you. Uh, If you want to find this show, uh, you can do that. Uh, You can find us uh, at Open Bar Talk on Instagram. Uh, make sure you follow us there. We follow you back. Um, every Thursday, I release uh, what I call saucy stories. These are stories from my wild days of drinking, uh, and they're really funny. So go check those out. Uh, if you want to email the show, you can do that, openbartalk at gmail.com. Uh, you know, certainly hit us up, but we'd love to hear from you. Uh, if you want to find the show, uh, you can do that. Here's how you go. Uh, you go to iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, pretty much wherever you find podcasts, you can find us. Rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends. You know, we uh, certainly love to tell, want to get this into the ears of as many human beings as possible uh, because bar attending stories are fascinating. It is a delve into a world that we do not know. Uh, Now, this is our 30th episode, and it is a special episode because if you have listened, uh, you will know that I am, in fact, from upstate New York, Binghamton to be exact, and I am very pleased to have the first Binghamtonian as a guest. That brings me so much joy because there's so much wild shit that has happened in this town. Uh, I've grown up knowing this guy, and I'm super pumped that he's here on the show. Jeff Eggleston, how are you, my friend? Do I do I hold for applause? Or are we going to add like applause? In? I mean, no, I, I am. Uh... I, I, can, I can add that. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, I do great production on my side. So if you want a little uh, applause, I can do that. You no, know, I was in my mind. It was such a good, strong opening. I could just hear the the roar of a. Of an audio crowd. Um, James, thank you so much for having me. Uh, it is an honor to be the 30th guest and obviously the, the first member of the Binghamtonian tribe um, is 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 a big honor and a lot of pressure, man. A lot of pressure. <laughs> well, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kick off by, uh, I know it's only uh, noon my time. Ah, drink. I know you that know, sound. Um, it, it gave me the chills. Uh, as, a, as a Binghamtonian, certainly gave me the chills. Uh, I, you know, I, a baby bottle. I, uh, you know, I was out last night. I uh, had a couple drinks, and uh, you know, I didn't get a chance to get to the store. I mean, it's summertime. Like, I just, you know, I'm not. You know, I've got the summer off, so you know, booze is. It's like a casino. Like, I'll just whenever you want to start drinking, I think is fine. Um, and also, it is in our bloodline. We are of. <laughs> we are a certain ilk. Uh, that dabbles in this world. Uh, so, anywho, again, thank you so much, uh, Jeff, for coming through, sir. Uh, now, you know, we uh, let's just uh, we'll just jump into it, man. Uh, so, how did you get into the world of bartending? Walk us through the beginning. What is the origin yeah. story? Yes, exactly. Thank you for for asking that. And <clears throat> I have done my research um, of of your podcast, and I find it very entertaining. Thank you. Thank you. Doing a great job. So um, when I saw that you um, were, you know, welcoming guests, and because of our, our friendship and our origins back to the early days of Binghamton High School mm-hmm. and before, um, I, I thought it was it was something that I would love to try. Um, and uh, you know, I, I I felt safe in your arms, so I reached <laughs> out uh, via Facebook. And I'm just recalling this as as we get into it. Um, very ironic. Your sister. The um, extremely talented um, and intelligent um, Phoebe Search interviewed my brother, the brains of the operation, Jeremy Eggleston, way back in the day on on a show, a news show um, based on, you know, kids doing news sources because my brother had earned some – one of his many accolades as some boy genius. He wrote something that was – you know, renowned for some reason and she got to interview him. And I remember that now as I'm hearing (laughs) – you set up this interview so this is so cool <laughs> it's i feel like this is like the underworld version of that <laughs> oh my god because again 
you know, I'm sure you look up to like, wow, I'm never filling those shoes academically and stuff like that. Jeremy was always that to me. He was always you know, oh, yeah. the, the brains of it. Anytime when someone mentions an Eggleston, if they hear Jeremy, they're asking, oh, you know, doctor, what's he doing now? And when they hear Jeff, that's probably a different story. Um, yeah, so. I mean, it is. Uh, yes, I feel like we are both in the same boat. Uh, in so much that, you know, I mean, my sister, a uh, very intelligent woman, uh, graduated from Harvard. Uh, and then there's your boy <laughs> out here in these streets uh, doing what he can to survive. So, you know, it is that is super funny that uh, this interview has taken the another iteration. The Eggleston search uh, has have intertwined yet again. Yeah, uh, yeah I would say destiny. That's fair. Uh, that is a fair uh, assessment of that. Uh, so, well, I hope, uh, you know, I feel like these shoes I can fill uh, as a search interviewer. Uh, yeah. And, you know, I'm, as an Eggleston, I'm sure you will uh, bring the effervescence that is an Eggleston. Uh, I'm very pumped uh, to have it, uh, have you on here. Yeah. Let, let us both rise to the occasions um, yes. and, and come the next generations. Um, so yeah, so I guess to, to honestly tell my story of how I became a bartender, uh, the journey leads through what got me noticed for my first job as a bartender. And we'll get to it a little later, I think it'll happen naturally. But the answer is, is tolerance, my tolerance. <laughs> um, yes. So let me explain that. I think that's the best part of how I can get, get to from point A to point B. So for the people that don't know, growing up in Binghamton, See, I thought it was very normal until I left Binghamton. I thought every family just had copious amounts of alcohol wherever they went, whether it was a birthday party for a one-year-old or a 15-year-old, whether it was a funeral. Those are some of the best parties I've ever been to. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, a graduation, you know, uh, after a softball game or uh, my father's a firefighter, so they played basketball and softball and, and hockey and all the stuff. So no matter what we were doing, we'd go from, you know, the bright outdoors into the darkest bar you could find. Um, and there'd always be a very friendly bartender, you know, slinging drinks. And that person would always be able to hold court with everybody. You know, everyone was smiled and, and, and was happy to see the bartender. Um, and it was, it was, you know, something that I kind of looked up to at a young age because we were brought into bars at such a young age. It was very normal for us. We would be playing the pinball machines or we'd sneak out of the relief pitcher and go over to what was called Carl's Drugstore and we'd, you know, get little right in um, that, right 25 in that cent. That little yeah, right on the lot. south side lot. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I grew up just seeing that and seeing my dad so happy to see the bartender and my uncles and my mom and my aunts and everyone was always happy to see the bartender. And they delivered, you know, that, that magic uh, elixir that we didn't know what it was, but we knew people were happy to have it. Mm -hmm. So right there, I, I had an ingrained idea, whether I, I realized it or not, that, you know, the bartender was somebody that people were happy to see. And, and you know, they could be dealing with a local priest, a politician, the doctors, the lawyers, or, you know, some, some person that was just down on their luck that came in to forget about life for a while um you know and and they always treated them the same and and they were you know kind of welcomed and, and welcomed at the same time everybody else so right there there was something ingrained right. in me and i was around that culture so it was all it was normal to me and i think as as kids as i got older into not even high school I mean, we're talking like you know middle school we started you know at least my crew we, we were sneaking the alcohol wherever we could finding it in parents basements relatives garages liquor cabinets um you know and, and we would go up in the woods and try to sip this stuff and i remember how how horrible it was like how do we, you know <laughs> how do they drink this but um it, that's it tastes it tastes like uh it tastes like sin yeah that's exactly exactly right and now it tastes like heaven, it's weird the the um, kind of the the way the journey that it flows. But so so here I am in now middle school, and we're sneaking it. And we're we're starting to get that word. I think that's going to steer me through this is tolerance. Right. Um, and you know, at that point, uh, we wanted freedom. I got a paper route. I had an allowance. We'd mow lawns. So we started to get a little bit of our own money. Um, and then we would 
kind of migrate down to what we called like stop and robs, you know, like the Hesmart yeah. or the um, Grivises or Cavanaugh's, you know, South side, West side, East side had a, a couple of gems as well. Um, now for the listeners, we, uh, just real quick for the listeners out there who are not familiar with what a uh, stop and rob is uh, in Binghamton, New York. Uh, this is a, a place where let's say uh, you didn't have any money. And also there wasn't an ATM. You could make a withdrawal from the register. Uh, that is, uh, a little bit just to give you a little, uh, context of what that means, but go on. Yeah. Or, or the candy aisle or, you know, or mm-hmm. the booze aisle, you know, just, yeah, somebody buys a pack of gum and we walk out with way more than that pack of gum. Right. Um, but you know, but it wasn't like a gas station, not always. It was literally just these little marts that you don't always see, you know, in, in small uptown cities. It's almost like a bodega of a upstate, you know, right. That's a, <laughs> like most it. places are. Uh, have gas or something that, that draws people there, but these didn't. They had lottery and alcohol and snacks, <clears throat> old Nurchie's pizza or something. Yeah. But here we are um, as adolescents, and we finally had some pocket money. So we'd stand outside and we'd try to bribe people that probably weren't 21 either, but we'd say, <laughs> hey, man, can you get me a pack of smokes or a Dutch and a, and a 40, you know, or a, a special brew of St. I to Boone's Farm? Talk, um, talk we'd try to language get, here, Jeff. We tried to get Zimas with Skittles for the girls that we're, we're trying to court. Um, they, they would drink that stuff. But that was kind of our, our, our weekend. We would spend the day daring each other to stand outside and ask somebody. And, you know, if we had 10 or 20 bucks, shit was cheap back then. Right. We'd tell them to eat the change. Now, here's 10 bucks. They'd come back with a pack of cigarettes, which I think was $2 and like oh 240s, which were like a buck each. So the person made five bucks, which, again, money was different. Um, so So that was part of our are growing up, uh, was, was trying to get alcohol illegally, if you, if you would, um, and consume it and kind of build that tolerance. Um, and, and back then IDs just, uh, they weren't needed as much, I guess. I mean, the, the, um, scanning system wasn't out yet. So it was like the honor system almost, you know, or there's like chalked IDs. Absolutely. Um, we were really lucky in, in, in my world to be born in 1983. So anyone was, that was born in 1983, we were really good at chalking New York State IDs. Sure, uh, sure. We had a full way, three different colors of the Crayola set with some hairspray. So from 1983, <laughs> you, you made that a zero. So on our sure. 18th birthday, we all became 21 instantly. Anyone that knew us, we had, and that went from, instead of sneaking into bars underage or, or having to beg your brother and their friends to buy you something or to spend your Friday night standing outside a, a, a stop and rob begging for something. Now you could buy it. I mean, James, I don't know all the listeners don't know me, but I, I'm 37 and I still don't look 21, which is a godsend. <laughs> yeah. I, I was, say, you know, I'm looking at 15. your like profile picture thing here on, the, <laughs> on Skype. And yeah, you like, you are in a timeless human being. So anyway, <laughs> well, well maybe, maybe from 20 on, but when I just picture me, you know, I'm 16, so I don't look, you know, I don't look in my teens yet, you know? Right. So, yeah, so yeah, I'm yeah. walking in with this, this chalked ID that that's really good. Um, you know, you can rub it and everything. And I'm walking into package stores where I'm getting whatever liquor I want. When I'm, I'm ordering kegs, quarter kegs, <laughs> uh, half kegs. Um, and luckily, again, the people behind the counter didn't give two shits. I had the ID and, you know, they shrugged. I had the money, you know, and we were then, you know, cascaded into this, this whole cool realm where we're the ones throwing the parties, where we got the kegs in the woods. Mm-hmm. We're, we're the ones filling, um, you know, the cups and, and getting the, the flavored shots, you know, to sell for a dollar a pop. So I think the monetary thing kicked in in, in, in my world too. Like, Hey, I could, I could make money while getting to party with my friends, which was always a light that went off. Sure. Um, so, so I, I'm attending, I didn't get to bring this up yet, but to, to rewind the pine lounge, which anyone listening ah. to this story is probably shocked that it took me that long to get to, I was gonna say, pine lounge. we were at minute 13 and I'm like, why did you <laughs> fucking mention like the Mecca of, uh, underage drinking in Binghamton, New yeah. York? Yeah. So the pine was the first place I drank at allowed to drink at, but didn't need to fake to drink at. So I didn't need a fake ID. If you got there before Gary Hutchings and, and, and you, you, you sat in the back, you know, and, and you were respectful at the first like, years of my life, I didn't go up to the bar and order because I had been going to the pine with my dad as a kid. Right. Um, so I knew that hack at least knew 
who I was, I would guess is the last name because the, the uh, I'm getting I'm getting a call. I apologize. So it happens when you do this on a work day, James. Yeah, well, I'm 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 just happy you were able to carve out some time here, sir. And for that for that, we're grateful. Uh, yeah. So. So you were at uh, so you were at the Pine Lounge, which again for listeners out there, um, it is a uh, you know I would consider to be the a, you know a, a standard dive bar um, where if you didn't have ID, you know that's okay, that's that's totally all right. Uh, but you know it's a uh, God what a. What an interesting, interesting world to have uh, <laughs> to have been indoctrinated into uh, yeah. drink, some drinking. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a whole the weird thing is my whole life I was in this kind of bubble of I grew up around it, so I thought it was normal. The people sure. I hang out with at young ages, their parents kind of were in that circle, so we all did it. So we all thought it was completely normal. I had two older brothers, and I looked up to them, and I watched them do it. So it. In this circle, it was completely normal to me, you know, and it was also like a, a, a rite of passage. You wanted to to get into these places. You wanted to, you know, get your tolerance up and, and be able to have a beer and a smoke, <clears throat> you know, with, with the older kids, right. um, which was always something – I think being a, a younger brother was something that, that always – you know, uh, was part of, of a draw for me, like the older kids, the older crowd, I, I wanted to impress and, and try to fit in. Um, again, real quick, we'll, we'll, we'll get through the pine time. So, you know, that was the first place I could go up and, and, and buy a drink, you know, without after having to show ID. Um, and again, it, it helped give me my tolerance and it gave me this, this kind of confidence with it as well. Um, so I finally go away to college um, people that are, are listening, some of your listeners might realize I almost didn't make it because my, again, my infatuation with throwing a party and, and enjoying alcohol, I, um, I guess statute of limitations is over and I was hundred percent guilty anyway. Uh, I, I ended up having been assigned to bring the, uh, the, the drink, uh, the Bamibos, um, for the fiesta in, in a Spanish class in Spanish four of my senior year, uh-huh. uh, a few for graduation <clears throat> and people snickered when she assigned me, I might've, I might've volunteered. Who knows? But, um, <laughs> but here we are, it's, you know, mid morning, third or fourth period. And it's time to have a, a fiesta. And some people break out the, you know, Spanish dishes. Some people break out the snacks and, you know, Jeff, what'd you bring? And I got a couple of bottles of soda and some fresh fruit and, you know, some uh, sparkling water and, you know, we're mixing up some type of sangria, you know? Yeah, and yeah. I didn't, I didn't go as far as spiking the punch. So any person that drank it wouldn't know that they're consuming alcohol. I had a Poland spring bottle filled with gin because my morning shower, I I was listening to gin and juice. It came on uh, (laughs) uh, uh, and I thought this would be perfect. So, you know, I'm sure it was some nice Burnett's, you know, Mm -hmm. plastic bottle gin. And, uh, we, uh, we had that, and I, I directed the attention to some of my friends in the back of the room. They, they could make their own drink if they wanted to. People partook. I was messy. I didn't clean up. I threw the bottle in the garbage. That bottle ended up in uh, the principal's office. And they, they tried to say I spiked the punch, and I, I put everybody in danger. I tried to explain myself out of it. I almost got expelled. Uh, my, my dear, dear friend to this day. My Leroy Carrillo, Millie Carrillo, Judge Mills Lane mm. saved my butt by writing the paper that I was assigned to graduate uh, in, in Spanish uh, or I would have never made it. I would, I would still be at the Pine Lounge right now. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I don't wish that but, on anyone or Abel's but actually. I, you would be, uh, yes, you'd be at Abel's right now. I would, I would be enabled at Abel's right now. Um, so again, we're, we're on this, this road of tolerance. So finally, yes, I get into college. I go away to school. Um, I have this fake ID, which, which is like, you know, like gold. And I have this confidence. Um, what, what does, uh, uh, a freshman James, you know me, I'm bright white. I'm so white. I'm clear. You can see my veins. Translucent. Um, translucent, translucent freshman kid, you know, that, that comes from this, you know, kind of small pond. I was, I, you know, I got to hang out with the older kids in high school. I got to be the kid, you know, with that was selling the beer cups. You know, I I had, and I had this, 
confidence, uh, probably this cockiness. So I'm, I'm the new guy in school. Um, I'm the young guy. So what do I do? Uh, I pledge a fraternity. I pay for my friends. I hang out with a bunch of frat boys. <clears throat> I am guilty of it, but uh, I, I enjoyed the process, even all the craziness that people make fun of me for. Um, and, it, and it led me to, again, I had this tolerance, which I realized off the bat not everybody came from Binghamton, New York. Not everybody, <laughs> not everybody grew up like we did. So these young freshman kids, guys and girls, are drinking for their first time. And I'm and sitting there with like out. five or six years under my belt, you know? Right, like, right, right. And those um, aren't, but those aren't just like five or six years. That's like five or six years of hard drinking. Yes. You know yes. I mean? Yeah. Like, like we were, we were drinking, you know, the boxed wine, the jugs of Carlo Rossi and the plastic bottles of booze. I mean, the rubbing alcohol that's in a gin bottle or a vodka, Mr. Boston's hundred proof, you know, just the, the garbage of the garbage. Um, and, and we, we were building our talent. So quickly I start hanging out with the older kids in college. So, you know, I, I, I hit that fraternity world pretty, pretty easily. Most sure. people will say yeah that that kid would fit right in but um so i'm hanging out with the older kids first semester of college and while all the freshmen are you know getting into the over under bar called sunnies most people call it scummies i got (laughs) beat and i got a suny card to go with it because the older fraternity guys took me under the wing they got me a suny card and a a fresh fake id that that was scannable it was a real one oh shit oh you're unexpired you're good to go I'm good to go. I got a golden ticket. <clears throat> so I get into the older kid bars where all the upperclassmen are. And that's where I meet this person that changed my life. Her name was, uh, her name is, uh, as Ashlyn, we pronounce it Asling as it's, it's, it's spelled. If you look at it, the Irish, the Irish spelling, uh, we call her Ash, but, uh, Ashlyn Heenan who owned Muldoon's and above it, the Harry Lemon, and was uh, married to the owner of uh, Heenan's, which if you've ever been to Fredonia, it's smaller than Binghamton. It's got like a miniature State Street where there's like six or seven bars. Okay. And they own three They own three of the top bars, and they're obviously really they, close to the owners of the other. It's kind of like a small mafia. They set the prices. You sure. know, the bouncers know each other. The bartenders know each other. It's like a cartel. It is. You're allowed to take care of each other, you know, like, oh, he's good. He's good people. Come on in. Yeah, we don't charge him or, you know, mm-hmm. you know, just run him a tab, run him a tab. So it was like, this is fucking sweet. Which, so, you know, fun fact. I mean, I can remember uh, this is kind of a little anecdotal. Um, I'd never been to uh, Fredonia, but I remember because uh, we were in college right around the same time. And I would remember on, uh, oh, God, what is it? Uh, Instant Messenger. Uh, AOL Instant Messenger, you would post like over at Dunes tonight. And I was like, what yes. the fuck is this? I, I'm literally just now remembering this. Just like, what the fuck yes. is Dunes? And now I'm and that, learning. Here we are. And now you're going to draw me on another quick tangent. But just, just for those, well, I'm guessing all of our, our, our listeners now, but I don't know because we are old. You'll probably have a younger crowd. Yeah. They don't know what the messenger was it was before myspace you don't know what that is it was before facebook it was way before instagram way before twitter and we would we would use the instant uh other way messages to communicate with each other we threw kegs in high school by telling people where the kegs were until the cops started actually looking tapping. at our away messages <laughs> tapping and then the we away messages yeah we would we would put codes in we would tell them hotchkiss when we were really throwing it at stratford or, or you know up in the dead dirsh woods or whatever we call it so right. we would try to you know but again, those kids, yeah, we, we were communicating before Twitter held us to X amount of characters. We, we were finding it. Um, but yeah, so here I am, freshman in college, hanging out with the older kids. I got this golden ticket ID, and I meet kind of the, the matriarch of town, Ashlyn, who everybody loves. She's the bartender that drinks with everybody. She's fresh off the boat from Ireland, still has a, a thick Irish accent, you know. Um, and she got to know me because I was trying to be like that bartender type person. Um, just be friendly with everybody. I would talk to the, you know, the old guys that were coming in, you know, just drinking and trying to be quiet. I was talking to the, you know, the girls, I was talking to the, the, the college kids of all ages and my tolerance. I was doing shots at this time. I was drinking crown Royal shots with, we called it a, a, a red skirt. We do a little cranberry juice. Okay. <clears throat> and, um, like just pints, huge, tall pint glasses of double captain and Coke. God damn pure it. captain. And, and just real old school cola, all the sugar. I was <clears throat> not like I'm in great shape now, but oh, I'll, I'll send you a picture of how just 
Oh, I was not in a, a healthy place. <laughs> that is that Which is I, the other side of this lifestyle. I believe. It is. It's all it's, it's diabetes in a glass coming at you. But here we are, freshman year. So Ash takes a liking to me. Um, she sees that I'm, I'm I'm staying. I'm getting there early. I'm staying late. I'm doing shots. I'm buying rounds. Um, you know, I'm, I'm I'm just I'm kind of yucking it up. And she asked me if I would be willing to be a bartender. Oh. And I've had. Literally almost zero experience at this time. Um, I had worked for Little Venice Restaurant growing up. I was a busboy and one of the famous curmudgeons um, who I loved, but uh, um, famous or infamous, uh, Fox Slavitsky. Yeah, I uh, was a bartender there. Um, I used to. I used to be a. Bu- I used to bus tables at Little Venice as well, and I remember Foxy uh, uh, behind the bar. Foxy and John and when the Curleys owned it, Bob, Bob would sit there at the end of the bar and I would work the day shift where we just kind of do a lot of the busy work. You're helping them load up the bar. You're going downstairs in that liquor cabinet that was like God's room yep. at every bar. Um, but he would, you know, he would teach me how to make some of the, the specialty drinks back when it was slow. You know, uh, hey, kid, come here. You know how to make it old fashioned. Now let me show you, um, which was really cool. But uh, they followed the rules. They knew I was an 18 there. So I never got to actually work behind the bar. So I explained this to Ash. I was like, I have really no experience. Um, I know my way around a bar. I've obviously been drinking for <laughs> years and years by you, now. You've been on the consumption side, not the production yeah. side. Exactly. You know, you got to learn both. And she said, well, that's what I kind of like about you. You have a good tolerance. You talk to people. We don't, you know, this is a college bar. We don't make some crazy stuff, but I'll train you myself. But I want someone that can work my happy hours because they're slow, which is five to nine uh, Fridays and Saturdays. Um, and she, she's like, obviously, you're friends with my friends and the older fraternity brothers that she knew. She's like, these guys like you. So if, if you're behind the bar, I bet they'll come in and spend money. Right, and right. She, and so I started working Friday and Saturday happy hours five to nine, um, and I was like, you know, like you, you take confidence and you just pump it up. So it goes like straight cocky. I know. In matter of you know the first months, I know every bouncer at every bar. Right. Um, I serve them drinks at happy hour. So when I go places, I'm not spending money. I mean, it was like again, it was like it was like a drug. It was crazy. And obviously, anything like that can go to your head. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It, it gets to a point where I'm working five to nine for happy hour, and then I get off at nine, and I get to go to one of these frat parties or you know the dance or the cheerleader or the basketball. Like we go to the house parties. Sure, sure. But sure. I got back by midnight because they have a bar upstairs called the Harry Lemon, where I work twelve to two. Oh, okay. So I open it downstairs and I close it upstairs. <clears throat> and um, then you're which, party. So you're essentially just partying from five to two. But Every, also getting paid. Yes. Yeah. Perfect world, right? I yeah, mean, yeah, like, yeah. You know, who, you know, you would think, be smart. Don't fuck this up. This is amazing. But a kid at my position, that's the last thing they think. They think, I'm a golden goose. I can't fuck this up. I'm untouchable, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Unfortunately, me. So <laughs> here, here comes the story of right. the bartender. Uh, you know, my tolerance has got me there. But it will also probably be the thing that does me in because, again, you get the confidence that goes to cocky. So you, you mix that drink right there. That's that's the worst drink to drink. And pride, com- uh, pride comes before the fall. So Exactly. Exactly true. Exactly true. So what happened a couple – I don't know, maybe like a year in or something. It was Halloween. So it was probably, yeah, my second year. And mind you, I'm bartending illegally because I'm not 21. By right. Yeah. Um, and the owner thinks I am because I've been in there with a fake ID for years. Um, a side note, on my, I think, 21st birthday, we never told her it was my birthday until my 21st birthday. She threw me a 22nd birthday party, even though I've been there for like two or three years. Right. Uh, 20, they called me eggs because my last name is Eggleston, with 21 chocolate eggs around it and a cake and all this craziness. But I remember like I was, I felt so scared that people are going to tell Ash it's my 21st birthday and I've been working there for like two years. Right, 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 right. But, but we dodged that book. But again, I digress. So again, this is like my, my probably first full year in there. You know, I, I feel like I I know the whole town. Sure. The world, all the balls. It's Halloween. And I'm working that second shift upstairs, so I'm already gassed. Mm-hmm. I'm working behind the bar, and it's that time of, of life that some can remember where 
Uh, Dick Cheney was the president, even though George Bush, you know, said he was, and he was sure. his lackey. Right, and right, Donald right. Rumsfeld, and the fact that those guys aren't in some type of prison or hanging from a yard arm blows my mind. But they they were uh, literally, you know, running us to war and and, and just uh, uh, ruining the world at the time. And I was a political science minor. I've always been pretty uh, uh, vocal and active in, in political science and, and and how our world is treated and, and works and that type of stuff. So I'm up there gassed, and you know. People are up there. You gotta love Halloween, especially in college towns. It's you know who can wear the sluttiest stuff and the stupidest stuff. And there's, you know, there's there's parties and that type of stuff. These three people roll in with suits and they got the face masks like bank robbers on. And one's Dick Cheney, one's uh, George Bush, and one's Donald Rumsfeld. And they're running around shaking hands and all this stuff. Throwing oh my! Hair. Oh boy! And I refused to serve them. I I had <laughs> well, good. I had choice words good. for them. Like I was like I was like yelling at them like they were the real people. Like like I really got to take Janie off and Rose. You fucking scumbags are ruining the world. You don't know what you're doing. Buying it away, fucking rich, killing the young soldiers. Blah blah. blah. So I go off on these guys. Um, you know, I'm sure they give it back to me a little bit, but I refuse to serve them. And they they end up leaving. And later I find out because I was expecting them to make some type of ruckus and, you know, uh, and, and pull out the, do you know who I am card? Yeah. Uh, you know, bouncers not, are on my side, you know? That's not too far behind. Uh, yeah. So uh, I think it might have actually even happened. It probably did um, because because of the, the, the next part of the story, which I so deserved. <laughs> but, <laughs> I'm ready for this. I, <laughs> So I find out at the end of the night, like what happened to those punks, blah, blah, blah. And this, this bouncer that pulls me aside, he's one of my best friends. He ended up, he's a big rugby player. His name is Red, one of the craziest uh, guys that, uh, that ever walked the streets of Fredonia, ended up uh, pledging the fraternity later in life. And he was my little brother, which was always funny. You know, you're assigned a big and little, and I'm this, you know, not so tall person. And Big Red was my little brother. Right. Um, this is before that. He, he pulls me aside. He's like, dude, eggs, you know. He really pissed off some some important people, blah blah blah. I was like, oh, this freaking scumbag, blah blah blahs that were there. He's like, yeah, you don't know that who they are, and he dropped their names, and I didn't know who they were at the time, but they were like the like the brass of townies, and you know, James, uh, yeah, county town, and, and then the college kids. So it'd be like them pissing off like Mark Florence and and uh, you know uh, uh, Fran McManus and like like the big just like you know uh, heavy like the fighters heavies. yeah they, yeah yeah Sean Orton you mm. know uh, like just the guys that you never want to piss off and that you always want on your side and so you managed to get all three of them against you yeah in in, <laughs> in one quick quick swift you know ignorant uh rant of of power and tolerance and booze mm -hmm. throw it on uh halloween so i don't remember everything about that night um i always you know we always stayed late and we always locked the doors and drank and make sure you know everything was cleaned up and we counted our tips and you know the girls got you know home safe and all that stuff um but i can't tell you everything that happened, but I woke up the next morning with half a tooth in the back left side of my 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 head. Oh Jesus! So I definitely got hit, and I definitely deserved it. I just don't remember exactly. <laughs> I didn't get jumped or kicked or, or beaten badly. I think these guys are actually respectable. Um, they could have done that, um, and right. I'm, I'm guessing the bouncers kind of stuck up for me to a point, but also knew that I, I needed to learn a lesson in, in, in some way, shape, or form. Um, and I ended up at some makeshift dentist and, and, and Fredonia and the dentist was like mad at me. Cause I'm obviously I reek like alcohol. I'm half a tooth, <laughs> you know, I, I'm not 21. <clears throat> um, and he, he cauterizes my gums all the way down to the broken tooth. I'm, I'm, I'm touching with my tongue right now. Oh, and, Jesus. and that is literally like you're, you're just tasting burning flesh. It, it's, yeah, it's the yeah, worst, yeah. I, the worst I can ever wish on anybody. And then he, he builds back a second half of the tooth from whatever they do that with. Right. And, and seals it up. Um, and, Oof. and that rat, rat tooth cracked when I was eating a salad in Binghamton, New York this year. Oh, I no. lost that. I lost the, 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 the real tooth. I still have the, the half that, you know, Dr. 
what's his face built back for me back back when I ran my mouth and... because because I took tolerance to too far and it gave me power that I could not wield if you will or control and and it came back to bite me now here's the question is how did after you know after you dressed down uh the trifecta of uh, of perceived evil at the bar how did that then impact your relationship with the town uh good question i mean it gave gave me more respect for it you know it was always uh you got to learn your lesson, and I got to learn one. I I think if you look back on it cheaply, because that could have they yeah. got pummeled, me. one broken tooth, and and you know learning to when to run your mouth, and hopefully that's never because if you feel protect, you feel uh, like like you are someone that you know can handle themselves, and if if you got into a bind, you had people to get you out of it, then you learn you never need to run your mouth. It's the people that are are you know feeling insecure that run their mouth, and. Um, so I learned that I learned that really quickly, which which was needed. Um, but for my respect to the town, no, I mean, Ash, I, I got fired a hundred times working that job, especially that that second shift. There were times I fell asleep up there, and she'd come <laughs> up, she had, and my my friends would be behind the bar pouring shots down girls' mouths, and um, you know, and I I'd get fired on on Saturday. It'd be Sunday morning, and I'd come back hat in hand Wednesday, and. Oh, eggs! What am I going to do with you? Oh, Jesus! So but I, you know, I, so I'll... you were like the Billy Martin of uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. of Fredonia. <laughs> I bet Ash would agree with that. Yes, I, I I was. I I got I got fired so many times, and I still say this. I you know I was an okay test taker. Uh, I switched my major once, but I I stayed Fredonian five. We called it the victory lap. Nobody was ready to leave after four years because college was was so much fun. Sure, sure. Um, so I stayed that extra year and I, I worked all the way through. So God, I, I got fired for a whole extra set of <laughs> semesters. <laughs> um, but no, I, I love that town. I went back uh, every year for Fred Fest, which is like spring weekend for, for other schools. Right. Um, I remember I did uh, t- five in and five five after consecutively i did 10 in a row and then my my work and my life kind of drew me farther and farther away from new york right right, um, right. I, I did an extra five and i always you know came back i always you know took people to muldoons i always stayed in touch with ash and sean i still do still throw money at, at, at fraternities to try to you know bring up those kids and, and try to you know keep them safe but also show them how college is i would be a I would think that there's probably some sort of plaque dedicated to you at uh, Muldoon's, or uh, hopefully they did some sort of tribute. You saw, you put in a lot of work there, sir. Nice. There, there used to be kegs and eggs with eggs. Was was our 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 uh, mm. uh, our, our St. Patrick's Day morning? No matter what day it fell on, we always started that. Um, and funny you say plaque. My grandfather Cornelius Eggleston. Uh, who was famous? There's there's clips of the paper. Swat Sullivan's was was the place way back in the day, the original um, uh, townie bar of Binghamton that my my parents went to. Their parents went to, obviously my grandfather, and that's where the old pizza, well the Pizza Hut is now. It's right next to where Yanni's or whatever they call it. South now. Side. Oh yeah yeah yeah. I know, I know what you're talking about. Right next door. So when they were closing that down, because that used to be a place that you could go in and drink and spend the night type of stuff for like up <laughs> like a- like crazy prices <clears throat> go for it <laughs> oh, i was gonna say so like a halfway house <laughs> you just get fucked up and then you're like well all right i guess i'll just sleep here for the night stay here for the week but yeah my, my grandfather was uh handcuffed himself to the bar i believe when they were shutting it down and he <laughs> He he made his way into the the press and sun, which he used to work for. He used to work for the Sun Bulletin back in the day. That's but, fucking funny, man. <laughs> yeah. So it's in my blood that the the, the the affinity for alcohol is in my blood from a young age, which obviously is a double edged sword. Sure. But I'm not I'm not against it because I I think it can still teach you lifelong lessons that you need. You know, I I understand the teetotalers that that completely stay away from alcohol completely. But I just don't know many in my life that don't do it because they they overdid it or it just doesn't mix well with their body and, and their mindset. But they found that out the hard way. They tried. Sure. They went overboard. They found life to be better 
when they were sober, but they, they found that out by trying and, and then realizing it. I, I don't know how many people I've met that are just like, nah, I, I never drink, I never have, never will. I don't know. Yeah. Now that I think, now that you mention it, I'm just like, I don't think I know anyone who's like, just near, like near has passed my lips, nor will it ever. Like, right. you know, I like, I feel like if anything, the closest would probably be like, you know, someone who like, I don't know, drinks like special occasions sort of like, I know a couple, a couple people like that, but like, the uh, like hardcore abstin abstainers i'm like i don't yeah well given the fact that i have a podcast dedicated to uh, <laughs> bars you'd think that my social circle probably does not overlap with aa or any other organization uh involved with sobriety uh but you know that's that's just how you know look we 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 hang we birds of a feather right like that's yeah i think that's that's absolutely. how that looks man um, and i and i support and i support anybody that, that has found it their way i've i've taken long uh you know absences because you can you can you can fall into it where it becomes too normal and, and i think we've all said it and have done it for a while you know we're functioning alcoholics functioning alcoholics functioning, you know we we, we do the te- you know if you look at the the health book or the textbook it says oh anybody that has more than two drinks in a sitting or more than you know 10 drinks a week it's like well, when have we ever not done that? So yeah, my yeah, textbook, we are, you know, but, uh, but yeah, I know I, I totally support people that, you know, are, are against it or have found a, a reason that it doesn't work for them or it's caused problems in their family. So I, I'm not one to celebrate it, but I'm also one to say to each their own. Um, right. I think there's a way to do it safely. And I always joke that alcohol is not a toy. Alcohol <laughs> is a tool. And you need, to, you need to sharpen that tool and you need to learn how to use that tool and when to use that tool. I think um, that might be the uh, tag of this episode is yeah, alcohol. Alcohol is not a toy. It is a tool. And, there you go. You know, tools can be used to destroy or build. So, <laughs> you know, exactly. think of it. Think of it like that. Now, yeah. uh, before we uh, before we get out of here, man, I know we, we were talking about um, before you came on the show, um, you bartended at the Pine, right? I did. I did. Can yes. You, can so you tell that, us a little bit about that experience for our, and I, I, will, love to. I, I will say, uh, for my, uh, for listeners and folks out there, you know, this is such a hardcore Binghamton, New York episode. And I'm so happy, uh, that y'all come along for the ride for it because this town is like unlike any other. So, uh, I just want to throw that in there, but yes, tell us, tell us about, uh, the pine lounge and your bartending experience there. Absolutely. I'd be honored. And, and just, uh, another, caveat into Bingham, Binghamton itself. So people mostly know um, the amazing uh, uh, Rod Serling's uh, Twilight Zone. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. and uh, Jordan Peele did his own version um, uh, recently. That was written um, by a Binghamtonian himself, written, directed. So we all joke. I mean, part of our high school was named after him, Rod Serling, the sea building. So um, we all joke that you have to have come from Binghamton to be able to imagine that and write that so so if you don't know binghamton you can't imagine it just watch a couple episodes of twilight zone and that is where me and jim grew up um and 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 go back and we're proud of it Mm -hmm. but so the pine lounge not only is is famous to a lot of people but there's always a rumor in my family and it's split that that is where my parents got engaged they got engaged ah. on the steps of the Pine Lounge. My dad will say, ah, fuck, you're crazy. I did not propose to my wife in the Pine Lounge. Um, my mom remembers it as, you know, she had just gone away to college um, and he stayed back. She went to Geneseo. And, you know, I, I think, to be honest, my pops was worried about losing her to, you know, that she got out and he stayed in. Right. Um, and he knew he had to make a move or he's going to lose his girl. And they came back and how he'll tell you and he, his memory is probably sharper is he did it in a more, you know, not ridiculous way, like all oh, the steps of the Pine Lounge. But as soon as they got engaged, the first place they went was the Pine Lounge to celebrate. Um, my mom remembers the Pine Lounge and maybe heard him doing it outside. So that's that's between both of them. And, you know, that's the fun <laughs> thing about memories is it's up to you. Um, it's the whole <laughs> fact. But so so in my, my my whole life, I got to hear of this place. Um, I got to go there as a kid um, when my, my parents were drinking and, um, you know, going out against softball games, baseball games, basketball, anything. They ended up in the pine. It was one of the, the local spots. One of the earliest places I got to go and, and, and drink for free. I'm sorry, not for free, for, for legally. And I remember going up. 
my first few months, I, I stayed in the back booth and I tried to be respectful because, you know, I didn't want to get kicked out. And, um, and I remember finally getting the courage to go up there and, and pitchers were four bucks. I had a fiver yeah. and you know, I walk up my head down and hacks right behind the bar and I put the five. I was like, I'll take a picture of McLight, please. And I just remember these magical words and, and, and I'll never forget. I go, there you go, Aggie. <laughs> and, you know, put the dollar back and and and, and hack out that voice that just you know drive crazy take chances uh everybody remembers it that knows it and i just remember yeah. that that moment when he when he called me eggy like i thought he knew that my my family's big and there's a lot of egosins i thought he knew that but when he called me that and he served me the alcohol it felt like i just you know i i was baptized in, into his world so he knew my name and he was okay with it so i left that dollar tip and i you know Never lost that smile of like, I can now drink at the Pine Lounge. <clears throat> but over the years, I became friends with Hack. Um, when we were throwing those parties that I talked about earlier in my story, we'd be throwing kegs in the woods that we bought because we were 21 with our chalked IDs. And we always told people, there's a second keg. You know, hey, it's five bucks a cup. We got one tap. There's another one in the bushes. That was the age old, you know, bullshit right. store. Um, so we, we would get those places so packed sometimes that those kegs would run out so fast <clears throat> and we got to get the fuck out of there. Um, I'm not saying if this was true or false, but there's rumors that, you know, the cops always got called, <clears throat> but sometimes people at the party called the cops because we had to get out of there. Um, I'm not sure if that's true, but either way, as soon as the cops got called and that place got broken up, someone grabbed the tap and we ran and we all ran to, depending what woods party we were at, uh, to a certain location and then cars would start picking you up. <clears throat> um, that was back in the day before, they really even busted us for DWIs because all of us, they knew we're just in the woods drinking and then they watch us all drive away, um, which was right. crazy to think about now, but it was a, it was a different time. Um, but we would go to the pine, you know, the, the older kids, we would all go to the pine. We'd take all that, you know, cup money that we just made and we'd go there and we would buy rounds of shots and we would tip and we would always, you know, be respectful. And, you know, if, if people got in fights or anything like that, not like I was a big person or a fighter, you know, we would always just make sure, you know, people didn't disrespect the pine or, or you know, that type of stuff. We, we were always trying to be on the good side. They had Gary and other people to make sure of that. But I, I made friends with Hack early on because of that because we were always in there being nice and, and spending money. So anytime I came back, you know, uh, I always said I wanted to bartend there. And he was like, yeah, fuck you. You'll give the place away, you know. <laughs> I, I like you on this side. I like you on this side. And then I think it was my, maybe my junior or senior year. I was like, heck, I've been bartending for years. I, I come in, Lauren, who's now Lauren Heslin, uh, was bartending back there, and Jackie, and, um, you know, uh, all, all the old schools, um, Brutus. Uh, you know, it was, I think what he gave me, it was, it was over some vacation. Maybe it was Thanksgiving or something. I was like, just give me one night. Right. Um, he gave me like a Thursday, and, and Binghamton has to close early on. What, Sunday through Thursday and then yeah. Friday, Saturday, they can stay open. They're open late. So he's like, all right, they closed early. So I, you know, I got there at five o'clock, but I, I, I used that, uh, that instant message. I let everybody know I'm at the pine. Um, and we packed that place. I mean, it was so crowded in packed pines tiny anyway, but we packed it. But the one thing that I'll always remember that he made fun of me for, for years after was we sold out of almost everything. And he had stocks in this crap, but we ran out of Dr. McGillicuddy's. We ran out of Mr. Ooh. Boston's room at uh, the, the pine special, whatever he had made prior. We literally were supposed to close at midnight and he closed at 1130. He kicked us all out and did uh, um, <laughs> last call at 1130 instead of midnight. I think it was or one. Um, and, and we sat there and we counted it like me and Lauren and him and, and all that. We, we had drinks and cheers. It was funny. And I made a killing. He made a killing. He told me I'm never bartending again. And that was the one time I got. And uh, I crossed it off a bucket list <clears throat> young in my life. But you, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. We learn, so if we learned anything is uh, do not be an overachiever. Cause yes. They will, they will shut you down. Uh, That's right. That is, uh, look, man, I got to say, I'm, you know, this has been such an amazing episode for me. Uh, and I have to say, you know, kudos to you, man. You are a hell of a fucking storyteller, by the way. Like, if you're listening to this right now, this is probably one of the most engaging uh, uh, tales that I've heard. And so I, I, uh, I thank you. I thank you for bringing that, bringing that to the podcast here today, sir. Uh, yeah. 
So now uh, we're going to well, – first, again, thank you uh, for bringing, uh, bringing your story here. Uh, now we're going to get into the next segment of the show, which is uh, questions for the guests. Now this is five questions that we ask all of our bartenders when they come on the show, and I say we just jump right into it. All right. Sure. Question number one. What is, a, what is the biggest misconception uh, people have about being a bartender? What was the one thing that you heard that you're like, that is not what it is at all? I, I think it, it's a big draw for guys that want to be bartenders. And, and I think they believe you get laid a lot more. Mm. <laughs> um, and um, it, 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 it all depends on the, the guy you are and, and that type of stuff. But um, I, I think they think the bartenders score a lot more than they do. But you flirt with people, you get paid, you know, they, they, they tip you more when you flirt, but you're also there really late. You're there really early. You're exhausted um, by a certain point in your life. Hopefully you have a significant other that's already waiting for you. So that super sloppy chick that, you know, drank five, uh, you know, Long Island iced teas that's, you know, trying to wait for you at the end of the night is not, <laughs> it's not a, <laughs> it's not, it's your not love a prize it. that you're yeah. winning. Yeah, that's Um, you know you. uh, uh, There's no winner at at three thirty in the morning, man. Historically speaking, I have not ever seen a winner uh, come out of that. Uh, So, all right. So that is question one. All right, question number two. What is the biggest tip you have ever received as a bartender? Oh. Again, it was a college town. Yeah, that's what I'm, so I'm kind of interested. So it wasn't anything massive. It was probably ash. Um, it was kind of like a, a bonus type thing, but uh, it would be like a, uh, we'd have a Christmas party and we'd all kind of bartend it as well. Um, so that's probably not as fair because she was the boss and we made her a shit ton of money, but we'd get a, but probably, uh, you know, around like a hundred bucks, you know, maybe okay. some alumni would come back that made a bunch of money and, 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 you know, he'd run up a tab and, and we'd hook him up, you know, we'd only charge him for like half the tab and he'd leave like a, a you know, a crisp hundred dollar bill to, you know, a kid in college, like fuck man. That's, yeah, that's good money. As but, a, yeah, I never, I never worked in like a big city like New York or anything like that where like people got the like crazy, you know, you know, finance guys coming in, leaving like G's and stuff. Right, right, right. <laughs> Shit, as you said, a Chris Pondo, like that's big uh, right now for me. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I would be it's into time. that. Me too. <clears throat> All right. So question number three, what is your pet peeve of a customer? What is the one thing that you would say, you know what? I don't ever want you to do that at this bar. Um, Other than I, dress I, like I, George Bush. Yeah, okay. yeah obviously. Yeah. <laughs> It was Bremsfeld. The Rumsfeld one pissed me off the most. That guy fucking yeah. needs to be brought to fucking trial and castrated. Um, uh, uh, I think it's – I worked – again, like I said, we, we, we worked in restaurants, you know, Little Venice, and I did that all through college as well. It's it's when people think they're being polite and helpful and say, what do you like? What's your favorite? Um, you know, that's more in a restaurant. It's like I don't have your fucking taste buds. I don't know. I know you're trying to be polite, but please, you know, just pick out something because then – I love when I've been with people like, what do you like? And like, oh, you know, I, I really like uh, the burger here. Oh, I don't like burgers. Well, well that's what I like. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know what to – like, where are we going with this? I yeah. don't, I don't I understand. So, yeah, and if you, you, you tie it to the bar aspect, you'll get the, the person trying to be like over, overly talkative to the bartender because it's, it's, it's like almost – it's our job to be polite, and if you're a good friend, we, we want to sit there and shoot, shoot the shit, and you'll find the people that kind of want to fit into that, and they try too hard, and they do it at the worst time. Like when you're, you're busy, and you're moving, and you know you, you see that there's 12 people ahead, and in your mind, you're trying to think of like, well, that person came at first, that person's going second, I know that person needs a beer. You know, there, there's, there's a lot of moving parts to bartending when you're busy. That right. is, is, a, is a fun joy of, of, of the kind of the job, the art form of it. But you don't want someone getting in the way of that. And then you get that talker like, you know, hey, all right, Bob, what do you want? You want another one of these? Oh, I don't know. I think I'm going to have these. You know, the other day I had one of these things. Uh, I can't remember what's in it. And it's, it's like you're like, come on. Do you not notice that there's like 40 people waiting? I'm moving. My eyes are moving. I'm not listening to you. Right. So it's 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 the person trying to be nice, which, hey, I love that. I'm, I'm a big fan of communication. But understand the time and the place and, and not when the person's very busy we just can't be attentive. So 
pick what you want. Shut up. Talk to the guy next to you. Yeah. There it is. So you know what? If you learned anything here uh, as a customer, read the room. Read the room. Okay. All right. Question number four. If you owned a bar, what would you name it? Um, I, I, I thought of this a bunch of times. My production company uh, that, that I am the proprietor and worker of, I call Murphy's Law. Um, and I, I know there's a ton of Murphy's Law in every city. There's probably multiple in New York. And if you know Murphy's Law, it's anything that can go wrong, will go wrong. In the production world, I look at it as, you know, um, you know, hope for the best, and prepare for the rest. Um, I think that's always been a fun name. But again, there's so many Murphy's Laws. I'm always drawn to one. There's one not even five miles from me here. I'm in Sunnyvale, California, working at the moment. And there's a Murphy's Law right down there in a place called Murphy Square. So that's overplayed, but that's that's something that I always liked. <clears throat> um, I would probably go back to to my gramps and call it Neil's. Neil's? Uh, Neil's Corner, if, it was, if I could get it on a corner. Uh, my grandfather, you mentioned plaques earlier. When he passed away, he, he spent all of his later years, he drank all of his n- normal years and probably kid years at Swats. When Swats shut down, he went over to Southside Yanni's. Um, and uh, Dino and George that owned uh, Yanni's took care of him every day. It was actually part of my one of my jobs when I came home from college because I couldn't find much to do because I drank all, <laughs> all night and I didn't want to get up early in the morning. Um, so... <laughs> My grandfather was living with us at the, the end of his life. And part of my job was to wake him up, feed him breakfast at like noon and take him down to Yanni's and then come back for him around like five or six. Um, and he was always down there buying people drinks and buying him drinks. When he passed away, they put a plaque up in the corner oh. and that was right on the bar. And that was Neil's corner. So, um, so yeah, I, I, I think I, like I will own a bar at some point and I probably, I didn't even think of it till today really, but yeah, I, I think I would name it that I want it on a corner and Neil's corner. Neil's corner. That's nice. <clears throat> it's got some a significance. I like that. All right. Final question. What is your favorite drink to have? Not to make, but to enjoy. What does Jeff enjoy? It's funny here because I'm just taking a sip now. I've, I have adapted my whole life. I started on the Schwill, uh, you know, the canned beers and the box wine and the plastic mm-hmm. bottle. And then <clears throat> I feel like I almost went through this. Um, I always joke that your body can only handle so much of, of every alcohol. And once you reach the limit, you reach it. And I was like, that's when I'll quit. I'll reach the limit of all of them. <clears throat> um, <laughs> I like that. That's something a, that's a young, a young dumb man says, but I might be living, you know, the words. So as a kid, <clears throat> we drank all, all, all the crap. And obviously I, I got so hung over all the crap and like the flavored stuff. And, you know, like, uh, you think of like gold sloggers and, and Bacardi limon mm. And 99 blackberries and bananas. Just talking about that almost that makes me want to go And then I, I think I, I moved into rum big time. I talked about Captain Morgan's in, in college. I was big on rum, whiskey shots. And then after college, I, I lost weight by drinking vodka, <laughs> vodka and club soda because there's no sugar in it. That'll I went from the, the, full, the full sugar drink of rum, spiced rum and, and full, you know, regular Coke heavy, not, not Diet Coke. <clears throat> To, to vodka club soda and i still go back to that sometimes i don't drink it for the flavor but i do like the buzz it's clean and and you don't have that sugar hangover right. um and then as an older person you know i've, I've gotten into it it's so cliche i don't like whiskey because it's sweet and it kind of makes me angry but right now and i, I cracked a drink at you know 12 noon um i'm, I'm with it uh on a thursday i i, I grabbed a, a good single malt scotch nice. like Lagavulin's a very good scotch. Um, if you ever have it, it's nothing too crazy, but it, it's up there. Um, I know there's a lot of people that say you, you never, you know, they want it neat. You, you know, you don't mix anything with it. You ruin it, or you have one ice cube, or you have the soap stones that just cool it, or you a little water in there to breathe. <clears throat> and I'll piss everybody off when I say this. Um, I will do a handful of ice cubes, Ooh. and right now, scotch drinkers sitting there going, "This kid's a." piece of shit what a waste and <laughs> my mouth it's my mouth it's my liver i drink it i your, bought it it's my body your rules man and and when there's more than just a, a drop of, of water to let it breathe or one ice cube and, and there's multiples every sip is is different and people might say well that ruins it it waters it down 
I mean, life's a journey. This drink's a journey. Um, the first, the first sips bite you, you know, and, and you make it feel it and then it goes right to your head. You feel the nice buzz. And I've, I've sipped one small glass throughout this interview and each sip is a little different and it's a little easier. Um, so, so to each their own, I, I like a good scotch and yes, I will have more than two ice cubes in it. And I don't give a fuck what you say. There it uh, is. There it is. <laughs> Look, if it's anything I've learned uh, over the years, uh, Jeff, is that you are a man of opinion and you have your opinion <laughs> is how you live. God damn it. That is what it's going to be. And that's why I fuck yeah. with you, man. That's why I fuck with you. And try not to piss people off with that opinion. There's ways of having your opinion without pissing people off. And sometimes you go too far and you wake up with half a tooth and then you learn. You and know? then you figure that out. All right. <laughs> so those are our questions for our guest. Uh, we're now going to get into our final segment, which is called What Were You Drinking? Now, this is the part of the show where uh, I go into my Facebook timeline, which is messy as fuck. And uh, I'm <laughs> going to read to you one of those posts. Now, you as a uh, drinker and as a bartender, you have seen people drunk off of many different things. So we are relying on your expertise and your know-how of alcohol to determine what this person was drinking when they posted their statement. Now. Ooh, okay. All right. Here we go. <clears throat> hey, pal, don't bother us. Stay where you are. You just used me and bounce when you're done. And when you get your shit, you're never around. Ooh. Uh, one more time. One I'm more time. Say, let me let me run it by you because there's and now I am reading verbatim, so you know yep. the grammar. Like there's a yep. lot. It's <laughs> this is you know as you know we are from a long line of English uh, uh, folks. Uh, you know English uh, as a as a language and as an art. Um, yeah, this is really a shitty sentence. Um, <laughs> this is not the best words uh, that this person wrote. All right. Hey, pal, don't bother us. Stay where you're at. You just used me and bounce once you're done. And when you get your shit, you're never around. Ooh, I mean, I'm, I, I, I instantly, you know, on the shows, like the bias and all that. I'm coming. <clears throat> Obviously, I, I think a female wrote this. Uh, I'm trying to think what. What, what spirit I'm guessing she was possessed by when you say when you're drunk, we drink spirits. So what, 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 now, what, I will what tell you this, this may, uh, this may throw you for a loop. No, don't ruin it. Don't all ruin right. it. Tell me it's a guy. Don't, don't ruin it. Don't let me go. With all that. right. All right. All right. Now this hey, is pal. your story. Your story. Your don't story. Don't mess with us. All right. So it is a, so it is a lady. And then you bounce when you're done. I, I, I think like when you, when you get your shit and you, you bounce and you're done, I think a guy that came over for a booty call and, you know, sure. bounced and, and, you know, or you can think of, you know, the, the drug trade, uh, you know, you're, you're nice to me until you get what you want. And then, and then, you then you get it. You know, maybe you're just trying to get a free drink at a bar and you, you come up and you try to, I see there's my mind runs in so many different ways. So I'm not trying to tell you what happened in the story. I'm trying to tell you what they drank. <laughs> yes. Well, okay. that, that'll, that'll lead us to, what? it all goes together. It yeah. All it, all, together. it all blends together. So the emotion, the emotion that I'm feeling in this story is, is regret and jealousy. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> um, mm -hmm. And they were, they, they let themselves be vulnerable because they let them in at some point. And now, now they're angry that they didn't, it didn't go the way they wanted to. Right. Um, so this this has the the beer before liquor. You've never been sick or written all over it. There, there's a mismatch of going on because there's a mismatch of emotions. So at one point in the beginning, um, they they were they were sipping friendly drinks that they enjoyed. So you know maybe the girl you know was or the guy they were having shots you know to begin with, and the first few felt good. Um, you know, uh, but I I I would I would guess. They started on beer, drinking games, you know, at a party. Okay. Made it to a bar, made it to a bar and switched to liquor. Um, and that was whatever, you know, something vodka, vodka-based, um, which opened them up to something that they thought was going to be enjoyable. And then it turned bad, and that's when they decided to, to up the ante of alcohol and, and go to the, the darker – uh, liquors like whiskey. Um, whiskey. So I, I think whiskey would end up being the culprit here because there's so many, there's <laughs> it, it ends in anger and that's, that's how it works with me. So, um, 
the anger there is the whiskey, the regret and the anger. Mm. <clears throat> there could have been something in between that, that they, they soften the regret with, like, oh, I'm going to have some schnapps or something. But they, they move to the whiskey, and that's where that anger comes from. I like you it. You got your shit and get out of here. And I get that. You, know, you fucking jerk. <laughs> fucking jerk. Stay away. Stay, Stay away. away from me until next Friday when I'm, yeah. when, I'm, when I'm buzzed. If you see me and I'm buzzed, come by. But once you see me go for that whiskey, it's going to be judgment. I like it. Well, listen, that, that was a, uh, a, a very specific diagnosis. And Jeff, that's what, that's what we want here at the open bar talk podcast. Uh, and you know, I want to say, uh, that was good, man. That was really good. So thank you so much for coming through. This was so much fun. I really, you know, I'm so happy as the 30th episode that again, I got to bring a, uh, a fellow Binghamtonian on here and it was a hell of a story, man. I mean, you got an amazing tale, uh, uh here of alcohol that I think, uh, now lives forever. This lives in the podcast universe and I'm very pumped, uh, to do that. So, uh, before we get out of here, uh, do you have anything you want to plug, uh, you know, Instagram or any of that stuff uh, where people can find you? Um, I mean, I, I'll, I'll send it to you. I have a, 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 I'm old school. So, you know, my mace, my, 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 uh, AOL has been shut down. I, I would pay for anything to get the old away messages back and, and oh. my space. I, uh, I, I operate old school through Facebook because I get to see my nieces and my, my, my parents and my friends of this age grow up, but I connected it to my Instagram. So some of the younger people know me there. Um, my Twitter is literally just the, the squeaky wheel. I only complain on Twitter. Like if, uh, if I'm trying to travel and, and Delta is, is taking longer or loses my bag. And I, I twit, I, I only tweet like at this, what's going on. How can you do this to me? You broke my heart and it works. So for people out there use Twitter as a squeaky wheel. Cause when they get at, at their business and you say something, you know, bad or sad, they get right back to you. Sure, um, sure. But no, I, I will pass my stuff off. If you don't mind throwing it up there, I'd love to get some of your followers um, and hear the feedback. Yeah. And just again, thank you for this. Um, I, uh, I, you know, I, I'm a talker. If you can tell, I, I love to do it. Um, but I, I don't get to do it like this. This is my first podcast I've been part of. I would love to, to be part of these again. I think you could do a spinoff of just those scenarios, you know, uh, you know, just, just read people off stuff and have them guess what it was and give them, you know, arbitrary points, you know, put us against each other. Uh, that'd make be great, stories. man. That's but, a- uh, <laughs> well, look, man, I will say, uh, I, you could have fooled me in terms of being your uh, first podcast. This was, this was a really good episode, man. I'm really pumped, uh, uh, for what we got here. Um, so yeah, you know what? Uh, uh, Jeff's going to get me the info and then I'll put it in the liner notes, uh, for the episode. Uh, you know, if you want to find the show again, I'll plug that, uh, open bar talk on Instagram. Uh, every Thursday I throw out a uh, saucy stories. Uh, so go check those out. Uh, you know, open bar talk at gmail.com. If you want to reach the show, uh, if you want to find me personally, I'm at Jim search on all social media. Uh, Jim search comedy.com is a good place to find jokes and, uh, uh show dates when the world reopens. Um, and you know, and that's going to do it. Um, Oh shit. I forgot. Um, you know, find the show. Everywhere you find podcasts, uh, you know, rate, review, subscribe is very important uh, that you do that so that people will find the show and that people will dig it. So, uh, you know, that's going to do it for us. Uh, Jeff, man, so happy uh, I got to chat with you, man. This was so much fun. Um, and, you know, if you are out there, uh, make sure you wear a mask, stay safe, do all that shit, and uh, put a water between each drink, and we'll catch you on the next one. Peace. <laughs>